December 12, 2018. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Chet, it's Wednesday, three days after the Eagles game, and I'm still fighting mad about the officiating in that game. Now Carson Wentz is out on top of it. That's not good. On the good note, the Sixers are just two games out of first place. They've won eight of their last ten, but there may be some trouble brewing that starts out with that Joel Embiid. The Flyers are in the middle of a five-game road trip, having lost eight of their last ten. That's not good. They're just one point out of the basement in the Eastern Conference. And, yes, there's baseball talk in December, Chet, with the Phillies adding former All-Star outfielder Andrew McCutcheon. A lot of uh, opinion on that as well. As always, plenty to talk about in the Philly sports scene. Yeah, we'll cover all of that, Bill. Uh, Phil's made a move, though not what we were waiting for. Relax on the Embiid thing. No big deal there. Uh, Jimmy Butler out tonight. That's more of a concern. And even though they're now 6-7, and seven, the Eagles are still somehow alive in the playoff hunt, though they may have to pull off a big upset against a very good Rams team to get there. And here we are on Wednesday. As I said, we don't know for sure who's going to be the quarterback. Wentz is not definitely out, but... There's a lot of signs that he's going to miss at least one game, maybe the rest of the year. We're going to talk about that with our guests in a few minutes. Yeah, it looks like they're going to shut him down. So that that will be really interesting to see how it plays out. But speaking of our guests, we got them all over the place tonight, Chet. We're going to talk all things Philly sports. We have Matt Goldberg and Joe Valley, authors of A Snowball's Chance, Philly fans fire back against the national media. We have Roy Fisher to talk Phillies, and Fred Hugo will be talking Eagles and more. Yeah, and we're going to sneak in some music talk with Roy, who is not only a great musician himself, but like me, he's a huge Stones fan. So start us up, Bill. All right. Well, hey, Jet, uh, let's get it rolling. Let's welcome back Matt Goldberg and Joe Valley to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable. It's been too long, guys. It has How's it going, been- guys? It's going awesome, guys. It's pretty cool that we have the two of you here together. Joe, you've been here three times previously. Welcome back. And, Matt, you were one of our very first guests. In fact, and Bill didn't know this. He didn't know how long ago it was. It was our sixth show way back in early June of 2014. We're up to 214 shows now. So here we are four and a half years later. Yeah, we finally got around to having you back on, Matt. Sorry it took so long. Thank you. Thank you. Matt, a whole lot has changed on the Philly sports scene since mid-2014, has it not? Yeah, it has. I think a lot has changed since three days ago. But, yeah, you're right. It's never <laughs> dull down here, that's for sure. Oh, man. Joe, you guys teamed up uh, on a book about six years ago. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in our discussion. We were going to lead with it, but then this Eagles news broke today. The Carson Wentz situation, he may have a back problem. He may miss this weekend's game. He may be shut down for the rest of the year. What's going on here, Joe? It's all part of the plan to bring in Nick Foles so he can run the table and win another Super Bowl, guys. Come on. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, Joe, I mean, you, you know, really. You want to, uh, <laughs> talk to our buddy Fred Hugo because Fred's been passing out that Kool-Aid uh, since, <laughs> since the Vikings got beat. So and that was before Carson Wentz's situation. I, I think you guys must be drinking the same stuff. That only <laughs> happens to the New York Giants. That doesn't happen to the Eagles. All jokes aside – 
I was the guy last year who didn't think the Eagles had a hope in hell of, of winning anything after Wentz went down in L.A. And that being said, this year I kind of think it's the same thing. It's just been a, it's been a lost season. The, the, I think the writing has been on the wall for quite some time. I was very vocal about it from the outset that I just didn't think things were, were right with this team and the magic was, was gone from 2017. And everybody, of course, calls me a negative and pessimistic, but – being in the media at times and also being a fan enables me to kind of look at both sides of the coin. And I just didn't think this team was all together this year. And I thought that Carson Wentz was going to take some time in getting back to how he was last year. And that's not an injury that just magically heals itself overnight. And, and, and I think you're seeing the remnants of that this year on several occasions. And personally, if he does have a back injury, it, it makes sense because he hasn't been moving around as quick as he was over the last several games. And if the Eagles' playoff chances are doomed, and you know they, they've they've got one foot in the grave right now, why not rest him? And why not put in Nick Foles? I'm with you. Well, let's, uh, Matt. I want to ask you about Sunday's game because I tell you, as I said in the opening, I'm fired up about that officiating. It, it was the worst officiating game I, I've ever seen. And you know, uh, you know, we see the two obvious plays on the uh, mm-hmm. obviously on the opening kickoff and on the Goddard play, but I didn't see this until today. Uh, that holding call that they wiped out at 35 seconds uh, in overtime there, or at the end of the game, they. I just saw that today for the first time. They didn't show it. It was a mugging. And not only did they pick up the flag and take, you know, didn't call the penalty, they gave Dallas a free timeout, too. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't know if I could bear looking at that again as you did. I haven't seen that replay, but obviously the two calls, the opening kickoff and then the totally loot. Well, that was ludicrous enough with three Eagles surrounding the ball. I've never seen anything like that where they didn't know. I don't know. Was it a statisticians thing? They didn't know who to award the fumble recovery to. They just kept the ball with the Cowboys. That was just horrible. And the Goddard play was calls equally as bad. So, I mean, you know, you never want to blame officials for a loss, but it's kind of hard not to two plays that were that pivotal. Having said that, we sort of had chances, but even at the very end, the fluky deflection on the on the Cooper catch in overtime, it, I, I don't know. Maybe my buddy Joe put it best that it this just wasn't the year. You know, the, the, the signs were there, the vibes were there from the beginning. We just haven't had many bounces go our way. And th- this one was especially cruel in Dallas. Well, hey, Joe, as a follow-up to that, you know, there's a lot of Eagles. Obviously, the Eagles fans are not happy. Um, the, the word fix keeps getting thrown around right from the start of the, start of the game. What do you think? Hey, look, I'll say it once and I'll say it again. The Cowboys, no matter how many Super Bowls the Eagles win, and they still are, as of right now, the defending Super Bowl champions, which people seem to forget, Dallas is still known as America's team. And I got news for you. Don't think for a minute that the NFL wants the – you know, they don't want the Dallas Cowboys back in the, in the playoffs. That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm not going to accuse anybody of anything. Uh, I can infer, you know, and hold my breath till I'm blue in the face about it. But I'll just leave it at that. Dallas is – and you guys know, you guys have been around longer than I have. Dallas has always been known as America's team, and I think the NFL is clamoring 
for them to make a return to the postseason because it's been a long time. I don't know if I agree with you, but I'm not going to fight with you here tonight, Joe. I want to switch gears and go back to what we were talking about, about Wentz and Foles. What happens, Joe, if Foles plays Sunday and leads the Eagles to a win over the Rams? What happens? I think, Chet, as far as this year goes, I think it depends on what happens with with the Eagles' playoff chances after after this week. It it may be the fact that, hey, you know what, they're not going to make the playoffs, which I don't think they're going to. And why not let Wentz rest and play Foles for the final two, three games? I mean, if their playoff chances are still alive, then that becomes more of a tough question. I think Wentz does go back in if the injury isn't as serious. One thing that's for sure, there's going to be a quarterback controversy like there always is. <laughs> well, hey, um, Joe, to that, you know, the – the injury to Carson Wentz was on December the 12th of 2017. I believe today is December 10. the 12th of 2018. Mm-hmm. One 10. year ago today, uh, you know, in most cases, that's about the time these guys are coming back. And Wentz came back, maybe they put, maybe he pushed himself too soon. Um, he certainly has been a different quarterback, and it didn't, it didn't help early in the year. He was just getting hammered uh, every time he dropped back. Um you, do you think they rushed him along too too soon, and that's part of the problem here? I don't know if necessarily the Eagles rushed him along too soon. Bill, I think it might be the fact that Wentz wanted to come back. I mean, think about this. He's got something to prove. The Eagles essentially, you know, they ran the table in the end without him. And, hey, look, we all love Nick Foles. There's a statue of Nick Foles and Doug Peterson outside Lincoln Financial Field, not Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was the Eagles. He was their golden boy. And then that injury happened last year, and all you know, you know what happened. I mean, we were at a parade in February. Chet, you were there next to me. Yep. And I think Carson Wentz feels like he's got something to prove. I mean, what, there, there could be a very good chance, guys, that that's the only Super Bowl that the Eagles win during this time. And Carson Wentz never wins anything. So I think that may have slightly factored into his decision to get back and, and, and get going with the team that they had. And you're right, Bill. Usually it takes about a year, and it's about a year right now. But then he hurt his back. So then there's another possible injury that you have to factor into it. So that being said, if the Eagles, who are on the outside looking in at the playoffs, like we said, you know, why, why, why play him these next three games if it's not going to matter for anything? Why not rest him? Why not rest him? He, he's played you know, most of the year. And call today and, and look forward to 2019. The Eagles have some bigger problems in addition to Carson Wentz as this offseason beckons in the next couple weeks. Well, Matt, let me ask you, speaking of 2019, the Eagles have been hammered by injuries the last two seasons. But even with that, we know they have obvious needs in the secondary. Uh, They've got to get a running back. What do you see them doing in this offseason between now and next spring? Ooh, good question. I wish I had – I should have more confidence in Howie Roseman and the gang that, that maybe I do right now. Maybe I'm one of those ungrateful fans. But, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, the primary need is secondary, defensive secondary certainly. So I, I don't know if that's a free agent or a draft. I really haven't studied the draft board and really won't take a look at that for a while until the draft really approaches. Um I 
I kind of think they could get by on running back with com- uh, by committee, but uh, offensive line, unfortunately, is a bit of a question mark. That was a stalwart unit for us uh, last year, certainly. So I'm think- uh, thinking defensive secondary. I'm thinking uh, O-line will probably be the first two positions of need. Uh, linebacker wouldn't hurt either. <laughs> it, it suddenly seems like all these weaknesses have materialized uh, for a team that looked like it was had a decent shot, at least at repeating, but we're, we seem far away from that uh, uh, at the time being. Yeah, well, guys, I know they still have a mathematical shot at a wild card spot, but looking at yeah. the remaining schedules and the situation with the quarterbacks and all, I'm going to break out a little dandy Don Meredith right here. Turn off the <laughs> the party's over. They say that all good things must end. We still have the Super Bowl, guys. <laughs> that's true. You know, that's one thing, guys. You know, if you said last year the Eagles were going to have the year that they had in 2018 and they were going to win the Super Bowl in 2017, everyone in the world who's an Eagles fan would have said, okay. Absolutely. All right, let's switch And I stand by that. Okay, mm-hmm. me too, me too, Joe. All right, the Phillies, Joe, uh, they're making some moves, but based on what I saw you post on Facebook, it sounds like you're not overly excited about them signing former All-Star, former MVP Andrew McCutcheon. You know, Chet, it just seems like it's one of those moves that they would make in 1990, you know, to get a Carmelo Martinez when you needed a Glenn Braggs. I mean, I, as time is going on in, in the last 24 hours, I've kind of sat and, and thought about this trade I don't completely dislike it, but I would have rather had Andrew McCutcheon in 2014 coming off an MVP season. Of course, he wouldn't have been available then. But he is currently right now, right now, December 12th, your best outfielder on this team. He's a good guy. He's a great clubhouse presence. He's fantastic in the community. He'll never embarrass your organization. But he's on the decline. And moreover – Andrew McCutcheon strikes out at a pretty high rate, and the Phillies struck out over 1,500 times last year. I think 1,120 times to be exact. They don't care about the strikeouts. Obviously they don't because Manny Machado and Bryce Harper are also high in that department. Harper struck out 169 times last year. So would I like Bryce Harper in my team? Absolutely. But I'm not completely sold on him. I think there might be character issues, and I think sometimes there's effort issues, as our old friend – Jonathan Papelbon pointed out rather violently a couple of years ago. Yeah, if it's the and, only move uh, that they make, I guess, in, 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 you know, to sum things up, I'm not happy about it. If they can get another all-star outfielder, and I heard that there were, they were in talks for another trade for an all-star outfielder over the last two days, but that talk has died down. You know, if, if they get a, a, another outfielder that's a little higher caliber than McCutcheon, then I'll be okay with it because he's a veteran who might be able to help the team. But if it's the only move that they make in the outfield, then I think there's cause for a little concern. Well, I think, and Matt, I'll I'll ask you this, but I think what I'm seeing is the McCutcheon deal is based maybe more on the fact that Harper's stringing people along. And if Mm -hmm. you wait along for Harper, you might end up with nothing. They got, got, as as, uh, Joe said, laid out, they got a good veteran. They needed some leadership in that clubhouse, and uh, maybe they got that in McCutcheon, even at 32 years old. But, uh, you know, I think waiting on I, – I feel like Machado is out of the picture. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he worked his way out during the playoffs. Uh, Harper, 
I, I just think he's playing a little bit of a game, and he could sit here and end up with nothing. Yeah, I'm probably a little more optimistic about uh, the combination of picking up Segura and uh, and McCutcheon. I have something to add, really, about McCutcheon's game. He's not the same guy as five years ago. But leadership, he still hit 20 homers uh, combined at two really non-hitters parks uh, last year. Well, for the most part, Yankees is a better stadium, but, uh, but the Giants is a good home run park. I could see him. You know, 25 homers, but a lot of strikeouts, but also drawing a lot of walks. And it is weird how the Phillies love guys who get on base, but they don't really care about the strikeouts. But I can live with that. I don't know if Harper's coming. Uh, would I take Machado? I would, but I think a lot of, you know, he just comes. He's a great talent. He's probably a better all-around talent than Harper. Of the two, I would take Harper. But he is stringing guys uh, along. He he must be loving this. It's great for his ego. I would take him in a heartbeat, but I'm okay with that combination. Um, but, you know, this isn't a pennant winning team. But I see this right now about an 85-win team, and we'll see. We'll see if they can do anything else. Do you think I he think- really is stringing guys along, Matt? Because Boris, as you know, can drag things out. I mean, we didn't get yeah. Arietta till the spring. You know? Yeah. I-, I wonder. Do you yeah. think we're still the front runners, Joe, or Bill, Chet? What do you think? Or we're just one team? I have no idea at this stage. I know. Yeah. I know. Who knows? Who knows? But, Joe, let me ask you this. Um, in addition to the guys they already signed, they still need a starting pitcher. They lost out mm-hmm. on Corbin, which I'm okay with. I thought he was greatly overpaid. I wouldn't have paid that kind of money for or that length of contract. Um, looks like they're going to lose Jay Happ also because it looks like uh, they don't want to go, what, a third year on Jay Happ that he wanted. So now it looks like maybe Dallas Cycle. I would like Dallas Keuchel. Uh, would you be okay with him, Joe? I would have no problem with Dallas Keuchel. He's a world champion. He's been there. It's another pitcher with playoff experience that the team will need if they ever get there. Yeah, I mean, with Jay Happ, hey, you know what? He's a lefty, and they're durable, and they go a while. I wouldn't have had the biggest problem with giving him a third year. Plus, he's a veteran with World Series experience. But Keuchel is younger. I don't think he's going to be cheaper, though. But we, we do need a little bit of help in that rotation. I don't know if, if we can go through another year with seeing if Vince Velasquez can get it all together and Nick Pavetta has upped his game a notch. I'm with you. Charlie Morton would have been good, but he's with Tampa Bay now. Yes, he is. Charlie Morton, we've been there and done that. It didn't work out too well the first time. Now he's, now he's a top nine free agent. Hey, Joe, it worked out for the Astros, Bill. Yeah, yeah I know he did. Go figure. Hey, Isn't it hard yeah. to believe Joe, that? Yeah, sorry. It's hard to believe that J.A. Happ is still so relevant so many years later after his tour of duty here, what, nine years ago, nine, ten yeah. years ago. So, 36, yeah. but, he's, but those lefties yeah. take a while to develop sometime, you know? Yeah. Yep, and hey, I would love hey, Kai Cole also. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey uh, Joe, I wanted to ask you, uh, I asked this to Chet last week. We didn't really have too much time to talk about it, and, and obviously you're not uh, – really prepared for this question, but who do you see? Give me three guys right off the top of the roster who won't be here. You know, we're adding, we're not subtracting anybody. Who, how do you see that play out? Uh, on the Phillies roster? Yeah. Well, one guy I wouldn't want to see here is Cesar Hernandez. I, I just, <laughs> I, I've never been impressed by his game. He apparently played the the second half of the year on a broken foot, which I yeah, do that. give him credit for. I think moving forward, he's not the guy. 
although I don't think they're going to move him. He's a guy who, who I wouldn't mind seeing them move. Uh, Odubel Herrera, great talent, 10-cent head. I think, I, I think a combination of one or two of those outfielders, whether it's Aaron Altair or Roman Quinn or Nick Williams, will not be there if they can make a trade for an all-star outfielder or another serviceable player that they need on the team. And, you know, with, with Franco, I mean, it's, it's, it's a coin toss. You know, do, well, do they want to sign Mike Moustakis to a one-year deal? Or do they want to just not tender Franco, I guess, after next year, I think? If, if I were to guess right now, I would probably say that, that one of the outfielders combined with one of the – two of the outfielders combined with one of the infielders uh, will not be here when opening day comes. All right. Going to be an interesting next couple of months. Now, we've got to talk about this. Matt and Joe, you guys teamed up on a book about six years ago, A Snowball's Chance, Philly mm-hmm. Fires Back at the National Media. We did talk to Matt about it four and a half years ago, but he said it was really <laughs> you, Joe, as the principal guy behind the book. And I'll mention right here that it was 50 years ago this weekend that the infamous snowballs thrown at Santa incident at an Eagles game at Franklin Field happened. So, Joe, was it that unfortunate incident and the media's frequent mention over the next several decades that was an inspiration for this book? Basically, Chet, yeah. I, I, I did it through philly2philly.com, our website. And it's one thing I wanted to do, I guess the summer of 2011, I was looking for ways to, to bring more attention to the website and whatnot. And I originally, I thought about this quote-unquote secret handbook that only the national media knew and, and, and they wrote. I wanted to do that as kind of like a PDF that people could click on the, the website and find out. But the more examples I got and the more ideas I was just kind of thinking over a while, I thought, you know what, this might be more than a PDF. And then one night that summer on Yahoo Sports, there was an article about Flyers fans who, quote, unquote, booed an anti-cancer PSA at the Wells Fargo Center. And it got national news. And it was so ridiculous. Just reading the headline, I know how crazy Philly sports fans can be sometimes, but I knew right then and there, A, that it wasn't as bad as, as they were making it out to be, and B, I said, you know what, our story's got to be told. There's got to be a book for, for the fans and by the fans, and I want to be the guy to do it. And I just collected stories that different uh, friends of mine and co-writers, Ryan Downs being the other one, and, of course, Billy Vargas, you know, their experiences in the media, and Ryan worked as security the day that Michael Irvin had his little tumble at the vet, and I just you know, wanted to get their reactions about things, and we just got together and at the now defunct Geno's and King of Prussia. I brought you know, Matt in as well, and we just you know, raked out ideas. I mean, we had 30 chapter ideas, and eventually you know, we narrowed it down to the, to the early teens. Uh, of everything, and we kind of wanted to divvy it up because, you know, some books, if you divvy them up and make them interesting, it, it grabs people's attention longer. And I received the biggest compliment ever that it's a great bathroom read, which, you know, I, I, I find kind of amusing but, but accurate. And we were lucky enough to get the opinions and and have access to a lot of the sports figures in Philadelphia, whether I knew them or Billy V knew them who were very generous with their time. There was only uh, about two people that, that turned us down and were rather difficult um, with the whole thing. And it really just turned out to, to be a labor of love. It was my first book. Matt has written many. 
So it was the first go-round for me, and for the most part, everybody was very, very supportive, with the exception of one gentleman who works at a local sports radio station. Um, <laughs> it rhymes with uh, Ren Crack now. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah, yeah. He he was pretty much the, the most vile person imaginable who had this contempt for the book um, and was not a fan of ours by any means and, and let us know that by various staring contests um, at Chickies and Pete's. But I digress. It was a labor of love, and it was. It was 50 years ago this week. God bless Frank Olivo. Who, he's, he's left us, but Frank was very generous with his time, and he showed up to the launch party, which was a hoot. And the late yeah. Stan Hockman was there as well. Stan was really supportive of our book as well. So we did have a lot of people back us in the city. And, you know, we hope that it did change the perception of, of some people's view of, of the Philadelphia sports fan. I mean, we're crazy. Make no, you know, make no mistake about it. But at the same time, the punishment doesn't always seem to fit the crime. And there have been many incidences in other cities since the book has been released, which I think prove that. Hey, Matt, let me ask you uh... – Two yeah. things. One, one is I think when we this week uh, proved the negative side of Philly sports fans is everybody's wanting to crucify Carson Wentz before the injury. Mm-hmm. Bench him. He's a bum. He's not this. He's not that. Um, so we have that. We have Jim Chesko playing turn out the lights when we're still playoff eligible uh, <laughs> right here tonight. But uh, to back up just a little bit, since the book was written, if you had a couple things, maybe two or three things off the top of your head that you would add that have happened over the last couple of years, how, how would uh, what would you come up with? Well, man, you got me on the spot. It's a great question. Um, is Dandy John Chesco listening here? No, but I'm here. <laughs> I am here. I'm going to veer off. I'm going to dodge that a little bit, which I hate to do. Nothing is really firing. Joe may have an example or two, but I was disappointed in a little bit of backlash for Carson Wentz, who I think has earned a lot. Really, his stats, if you look at them, are somewhat comparable to last year with an inferior unit around him. So that's been disappointing, but I will say that's one of the chapters that um, I primarily spearheaded was how does Philadelphia treat its superstars? I think with a couple exceptions, maybe Mike Schmidt, an exception a little bit. I think generally we get it about right with all, with all the, you know, the great players or the would-be greats and saviors of the franchise. I think Philly gets it right. But I think there's been a little bit of an overreaction uh, to Wentz. I think he earns, he's earned every benefit of the doubt how well he played last year and how he just you know, fought his ass off to get back into the lineup and to help the team. Uh, other examples... I know that Joe and I and the gang, uh, Ryan and Billy, toyed with a sequel, even though I think the book is kind of an evergreen, stands alone. Maybe Joe has an idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop that over to my friend Joe uh, to see what else might be, uh, you know, other topics that have come up in the last five, six years. Joe, you got about 30 seconds. Well, we have won a Super Bowl. Yeah. And I think any of the other incidents that we can put in, they do involve other cities. So, you know, I, I mean, that, that's – I would love the opportunity for a sequel. I don't know if there's enough meat on the bone to necessarily do it right now, but if we all got together, which is rare, it's tough to get four of us in, in, you know, alone in one room, anything's possible. That's yeah, let's do it. <laughs> there you go. All right, guys. Well, hey, we appreciate you joining us. Time's run by quick as it always does, but uh, thanks for stopping by. Let's do it again. 
Thanks so much Thank for having us, guys. Again. Have a happy holiday, happy too. Holidays. Thanks, All guys. Right, you, too. We'll see you. Thank you. Guess where I was last Thursday night. Yep, the Irish Rover Station House. I met up with three friends and enjoyed a couple or four beers. As usual, they had a real good crowd. The bar was full, and why not? It's always a good time at the Irish Rover. Lunch specials, dinner specials, happy hour Hi. specials, a free buffet Friday nights at 11 p.m., trivia Wednesday evenings. Always 24 beers on tap. And coming up Thursday the 20th, starting at 7 p.m., it's the Rover's Epic Ugly Sweater Party. Prizes, drink specials, karaoke, and, of course, lots of ugly sweaters. Check the website for details, irishroverstationhouse.com, or just go visit them on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. Hey, Chet, I I thought you did, like, Ugly sweater every weekend contest. <laughs> I have a few ugly sweaters. Yeah, maybe some of them aren't meant to be ugly sweaters, but I've never been the fashion plate. I know that. <laughs> well, hey, let's talk Phillies. Uh, you know, we started our conversation there a little bit about the signing of all former All Star Andrew McCutcheon. Um, what do you think? I I'm okay with it. I mean, in today's era, it's not. Uh, a whole lot of money, and it's weird to say $50 million for three years isn't a whole lot of money. But, I mean, the guy's 32, but as I guess Joe said, he is still considered a leader and a good outfielder, very good outfielder. And, yeah, he's not the same guy he was who won the MVP five or six years ago, but he still, you know, hit 20 home runs this year, 58 ribbies. He batted close to 260, I think. So, yes, he's on the decline, but, you know, hopefully he can give the Phillies a couple of good years and provide some guidance for the younger guys who are on the team. And I don't think it would hurt or stop them from going after Bryce Harper, which I still would like to see them do. So, bottom line, I'm okay with the deal. Yeah, I think I am too. And and like like we said, how many times have you and I talked about leadership with all those youngsters? And, uh, you know, maybe that's the kind of guy, if he's still around, that an Odubel Herrera needs a guy in his ear all the time who's been there, done that, and, uh, you know, can keep, keep him focused. And, you know, I think that that's huge. And I think that's a good reason. And, and even if they get Harper or, or Machado, I guess both are, what, 26 years old, uh, they need to be reined in a little bit too because they both have issues in my mind. Yeah, so bottom line, we're okay with it. Let's hope that it works out. All right. Hey, Chad, I wanted to ask you um, – it just ran off on me. Hang on. I had it right in front of me. And uh, the Phillies, we talked about this, uh, that they're going to have special nights honoring Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley, and Ryan Howard. Those dates have been uh, now announced. May 4th, uh, Jimmy Rollins. June 21st, Chase Utley. July 14th, Ryan Howard. Uh, nice job by the Phillies to honor these three guys. And uh, I think there will be a great turnout for them. What do you think? I definitely think there will be, probably over 40,000. And I'm going to guess Utley will get the biggest crowd, but you know people love J-Roll and Howard as well, even though they occasionally got a little upset with Howard. Uh, I think they're all going to have great crowds, and I like that they're doing it on three separate nights, not just because you know they're doing it for financial reasons. I think they want to each honor each guy individually, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, and uh... – they certainly deserve it. But, hey, speaking of Jimmy Rollins, I want to throw something else at you, Chip, because, you know, uh, I, I feel like he's probably on a borderline outside of the Hall of Fame, and I think you pretty much feel the same way. But I, I'm, I got a crack in the door now. Uh, Harold Baines being put into the Hall of Fame the other day 
opens the door to me more for Jimmy Rollins to be a possibility and certainly opens the door for Dick Allen to crash through. Oh, I agree. And I think uh, Dick Allen will be considered again next year by the other committee that they have. But, yeah, the Baines thing surprised a lot of people. So uh, I think you're right. It does probably open it up for Rollins down the road. Yeah, I mean, I think you get to a whole other level of guys with Dale Murphy and uh, uh, Jimmy, um, Steve Garvey, those type of players. Keith Hernandez, all really good dynamically, all really good players. Not Hall of Famers in my mind, but certainly better players than Harold Baines. Yeah, I agree. So, looking forward to that. Hey, uh, you see anything on the horizon still for the Phillies what, besides the big fish? They're wanting to go big fishing, too, like uh, the Sixers did. No, nothing else. I mean, I think they got to get one of the big guys on a starting pitcher, but I, I you know, couldn't tell you what else they're going to do. Uh, it's going to be interesting, though, like I said, to see what they do um, right after these winter meetings and on in through March. I mean, they signed Arietta in March last year, late February. So, yeah, there, there's going to be some moves made for sure. All right. Well, hey, you had a chance to talk Phillies with Roy Fisher. Uh, tell us about Roy and tell us what he has to say about the Titans. I got to know Roy nearly two years ago through our good friend and devoted listener, Robbie, who had told me a few times that I probably liked this band, The Road Dogs, that Roy played in. So I did get out to see them in early 2017, and I liked them so much that I've gone back five or six times since then. Great, great cover band, and Roy's a super nice guy who also happens to be a lifelong Phillies fan, and he goes way back with them. So with that band's annual holiday show coming up in a few days, I thought I would invite Roy onto the show to talk Phillies and music, and we did that just the other day. We had a terrific chat. Two of my favorite things, Phillies, baseball, and music, and we'll talk about both with a great musician with the bands The Peace Creeps and The Road Dogs, the pride of Archbishop Ryan High School, Roy Fisher. Hey, Roy. Hey, how are you? Thank you. Good. Roy, I have a slew of music questions for you, but let's talk a little baseball first. You've been a Phillies fan since the Gene Mock era, I believe. You've seen a lot of good seasons and a lot of bad ones, too. Am I right? That's correct, yep. I used to go to Connie Mack quite a bit when I was a kid. I remember the collapse of 64 very well. It's still fresh in my memory. <laughs> Although 1980 and uh, 08 have wiped that out a little bit. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. How about your favorite Philly from back in the day? Who would that be? I really liked Art Mahaffey. He was my favorite Philly back in the day. He was a pitcher, won over 20 games in his rookie season, and I just always enjoyed watching him pitch. Of course, from about 2006 to 2011, it was a golden era for Phillies baseball. How much fun was it watching Utley, Rollins, Howard, and Hamels in their prime? Oh, my God. It was so much fun, especially after some of the years they had. It was just such a breath of fresh air to see that team come together. And it was just seemed like everybody was having career years, those years that they were playing so well. You mentioned 1980 earlier. Yeah, how much fun was it seeing them finally win it in 1980? It was the most exciting thing ever for me. I guess for Eagles fans, it would be the Super Bowl. For me, it was the Phillies winning the World Series in 80. And I seriously didn't think I was ever going to see it again in my lifetime, you know, I had waited so long to see it one time. I didn't think it was ever going to happen again. Luckily, it did. Yeah. And, Roy, the manager right now has some fans and a whole lot of critics. Where do you stand on Gabe Kapler, and can they win with him in charge? 
I think they can. I kind of like the guy. I, I like where he's going with things, and I, I think uh, they're going to put together a good product to put on the field this year. Yeah, I hope you're right. Let's talk a little music. You sing. You also play bass. Did you have mm-hmm. a favorite bass player in your formative years? In my formative years, I guess it would have been Paul McCartney. And also James Jamerson from the Motown Records, although at that time you really didn't know the side people's names that were playing on the records. But I always noticed the bass on the Motown Records, and years later I found out the gentleman's name was James Jamerson. There you go. Hey, you play in two popular Philly area bands. One of them is fronted by local music legend Richard Bush. Tell me about the Peace Creeps. such a fun band to be in. Richard is such a great guy to work with. He's a terrific songwriter, and uh, it's, it's a pleasure getting to come up with bass parts for his songs. And I get to play with my lifelong uh, rhythm section partner, Jeff Pancoast on drums, and John Marciano is a terrific guitar player. And uh, it's just a really, really fun band to be in. And hopefully uh, we'll have a new album out early next year. Awesome. I will see the Peace Creeps one of these days, I promise. But okay. you're also in the Road Dogs, whom I have seen six or seven times over the last two years. Yes, you have. <laughs> I know you've been playing with those guys, Jeff, who you mentioned, plus Al and Rick, for quite a long time. Yes. Jeff and I have been playing together for 41 years now. We met back in 1977 in a band and and have been playing in bands ever since. And the other two guys, Rick Toy and Al Kleinschmidt, they were, but well, all of us were actually members of a band called Rick Allen and the Upsetters Mm -hmm. back in the 80s and 90s. And uh, when that kind of fizzled, the four of us decided to stay together as the Road Dogs. It's been a while. Oh, yeah, yeah. What I love about the Road Dogs, Roy, in addition to the great musicianship from all you guys, is the set list. You cover songs by the Beatles, the Stones, Tom Petty, Lou Reed, but also Nick Lowe, Steely Dan, Very Early Fleetwood Mac, Early Bee Gees, all fantastic. Mm-hmm. And this Friday, the 14th, you'll be at Nick's Roast Beef on Cotman Avenue for your annual Christmas show. I'll be there. Well, what can people expect Friday night? Well, they can expect more of the same. Uh, a lot of tunes that you don't hear other bands play. That's kind of what we strive to do. And the set list, we pick songs that we like. And um, there's four singers in the band, so we get to cover a wide variety of material. Expect some Christmas songs, you know, of course, and uh, and some lights. The regular shenanigans that you get at a road dog show yeah i was there last year and it was a lot of fun i can't wait to see you again this coming cool. friday hey mm-hmm. we got we got some great news a couple of weeks back the rolling stones are touring the states again with a stop in philly in early june how many times have you seen the stones and what makes them so special this will be next june i got my tickets already this will be my 15th stone show i've seen every tour since 1972 and what makes them special i don't know you tell me if there's nobody else that sounds like them the mix of the guitars, whether it be Brian Jones with Keith or Woody with Keith or Mick Taylor with Keith. There's always an interesting mix of uh, guitar work. And then you had uh, Bill Wyman on bass, who was a really good bass player and traveled all over the neck. Even though you didn't notice him quite as much on the records, he was uh, an indispensable part. And then Charlie Watts is a drummer that kind of came from the jazz world. So he gives the whole thing a totally different feel. And, uh, you know, there's the whole rivalry, the Beatles, Stone, things. And to me, they're two completely different bands, both stellar, but I kind of lean toward the Stones myself. I've seen them four times, and I think the second, third, and fourth times between 95 and 2013, I thought, well, this has to be it. I'll never see them again. 
I'll be there as well in June. Can't wait. Roy, let's finish up with a game of Fast Five. Here we go. Sure. Me, number one, give me a favorite Phillies baseball memory. Oh, God. Probably taking my son to his first baseball game. A friend of mine gave us club box seats, and we were right over the bullpen, and he just had such a great time watching the players warm up. It was just a thrill to pass that kind of stuff on. Mm -hmm. Number two, I asked you this once before, but I forget your answer. What was the first concert you ever saw? Alice Cooper on the Killer Tour. He was touring the Killer album in 1972, and the support acts were the Chambers Brothers and Commander Cody and his Lost Planet Airmen. Nice. Number three, name a band or artist that you've never gotten to see but wish you had. There's probably quite a few of them. Well, I never saw the Beatles altogether. I've seen a few of them, but uh, the Beatles would be one. And Bobby Darin. Wow. I always, yeah, I was a big Bobby Darren fan when I was a kid, and, and I never did get to see him. He died shortly after I started going to concerts. Number four, your band The Road Dogs does an amazing version of Midnight Rambler. Excluding that one, what's your favorite Stone song? My favorite Stone song, and my favorite song by anybody ever, is Honky Tonk Women. Wow, so many great choices, and we both picked the same Stone song as our favorite. That is amazing. Three minutes and three seconds of rock and roll nirvana. Not counting the Stones in 2013, what is the last great concert you've seen? I saw Rick Springfield at Parks Casino. Oh, wow. He did a, a solo acoustic show, and he was really, really fantastic. Nice. And one bonus question. Since it is the holiday season, Roy, what is your favorite rock and roll Christmas song? Uh, that would have to be uh, Run, Rudolph, Run by Chuck Berry, also covered by Keith Richards. And covered by the Road Dogs as well, folks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> run, run, Rudolph, Come out and see the fabulous Road Dogs Friday night, the 14th, at Nick's Roast Beef on Cotman Avenue. No cover, great music. Roy Fisher, this has been a blast. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me, Chet. Hey, hey, Chet, nothing like mixing in a little music with some Philly sports. Great stuff. Yeah, and I love to talk to another fellow Stones fan, so uh, that's why Roy and I really hit it off right away. Well, there's plenty of them. I mean, you could you could find all kinds of people that are Stones oh, fans to talk to. Absolutely. Hey, hey, Chet. Why, uh, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you. Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. You got that right, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an Allstate insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. Click on the Allstate banner on our Philly Press Box Radio website or call Dave directly at 610-430-0700. That's Dave Lavoie at Allstate Insurance in Westchester, 610-430-0700. Hey, it's our fantasy football time with our resident expert, Fred Hugo. Fred, welcome back. What's up, guys? Depressing, depressing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, hey, let's jump into fantasy football real quick. It's playoff time, I think, in a lot of leagues, and then we'll get to our picks. We'll talk a little bit about the Eagles real quick. Well, yep, it's playoff time in fantasy football. Either some leagues are just starting. If you're if you only have four teams make the playoffs, 
Some are in the semis. Actually, there, there's even some at the championships this week. Um, on the waiver wire, though, there are some. There is actually some availability due to injuries. Uh, Justin Jackson might be a good pickup for you. Um, Damian of uh, the Chargers, Damian Williams of the Kansas City Chiefs may start in front of Spencer Ware. Spencer Ware is doubtful. That's a guy you can grab. Um, Dante Pettis, who I told you about last week, is still on most waiver wires. He had enough, he had three three catches, 47 yards, and a touchdown. And he's still out there. Tight end wise, you got Vernon Davis taking over for Jordan Reed, and uh, the Redskins defense actually probably matches up pretty well against that Jaguars offense. It doesn't look too good. So if you're looking for if you're in the playoffs and you need it, need someone to grab, there, there are a few there. As far as who I like this week um, at the quarterback spot, I mean. It, it, I have to pick on me. Jared Goff against the Eagles. He's had a few down weeks here, but I, I, I think him and McVay and then with all the weapons they have, they're they're going to have a plan to exploit the Eagles, so he, he should have a three-touchdown day. Um, Phillip Rivers against the Chiefs, and then Lamar Jackson named the starter over Flacco. I was a, a non-believer in Lamar Jackson. He's still not putting up great, I guess, quarterback throwing numbers, but, but fantasy-wise – um, he's had 21-plus in three of his four games, and, and they're facing a, a not-so-great Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, so Lamar Jackson. Um, at running back, I love Phillip Lindsay against the Browns. Um, he should run all over them. I also love um, – not love, but I like David Johnson against the Falcons. That should be a good matchup. And Joe Mixon, who was my sit last week, he basically told me to, to be quiet. He went off last week for 26 carries, 111, and a touchdown. Um, he's playing the Raiders, which is another great matchup for him. At the wide receiver spot, DeAndre Hopkins, he's had a few down weeks. He should he should explode against the Jets defense. He, he should have a 20-plus week. I like Tyler Lockett against the 49ers. DJ Moore of the Panthers versus the Saints. And then um, coming back to the Eagles here again, I like Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods against the Eagles. Um, if I had to pick one of the two, I'd probably pick Robert Woods because they'll probably play that, that picket fence defense, and Robert Woods will go underneath that. Um, as far as tight ends go, I like Jared Cook as well as Eric Ebram. And then finishing up with defense, I like the um, the Texans defense against the Jets. And then I also like, um, now that now that we have full start, and I, I kind of like the Rams defense against the Eagles. So that's um, that's – Assuming full starts, that's what I, I'm, I'm going to say, Rams defense. So that's what I like this week for fantasy. All right. Sounds good. All right, it's, uh, it's NFC prediction time again. Chet, we still stink. Uh, did we run the table again this week with the big offer? And, and I wanted no. to ask you guys, this is embarrassing, but I did want to ask you guys, how about us talking last week about the Bears' um, you know, being such a close spread against the Rams, and don't they go out and win that game? Like, yeah, that Vegas, happen? Vegas knows what it's doing. That's that's what happened there. Yeah, hard definitely. To that, was, that was a shady spread. All, all the, I looked at the money that night on the online where because I follow that, and all the money was on the Rams, and I'm like, oh no, this is definitely a Bears cover. I, I hope they don't lose and end up losing outright. Yep. Well, wow. regarding our picks last weekend, another wonderful weekend. You guys were both <laughs> one and two. One and two. But as you may recall, I picked the Cowboys to beat the Eagles by six, and I'm truly sorry to say that is what happened. I wish it weren't the case. But anyway, what it means for our little competition is that I am now in first place with a thoroughly mediocre. 
thoroughly mediocre 500 <laughs> record at 26 and 26, one game up on you, Bill, and three games ahead of Fred. Yes, Fred is 23 and 29. Wow, oh. how's the view? How's the view from down there, guys? <laughs> oh, listen to that, Fred. Listen to that. I'm buried. I can't. I can't even talk, Bill. At least you're 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 still in the running here. I, I need a couple <laughs> undefeated weeks to have any shot here. You know, we got oh, four games this man. week, so you never know. All right. Well, hey, let's get to it. All right. Giants are hosting the Titans. Giants minus two and a half. Redskins are at the Jags. Jags minus seven. Dallas at Indy. Cowboys minus three. The Eagles are in L.A. to play the Rams on Sunday Night Football. Rams minus nine. Okay, Fred. Let's get rolling. Giants. As we said, hosting the Titans, Giants minus two and a half. Yeah, Giants favored here. Not so great record. Offense seems to be playing well, but it seems like everyone, from what I was looking, is taking the Giants. I, I, I don't. I still don't think the Giants are that good. I, I can't see them winning the game. I, I like the Titans here. I think the Titans win. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I agree. The Giants have played well lately, but I just have this hunch the Titans are going to go in there and put a, an end to their little uh, recent. Good play. I'm taking the Titans as well. I don't know when the last time I just said I might have said the Giants stink. Uh, they do stink, but they're going to win at home against the Titans. Give me the Giants. All right, Next. Redskins at Jack J- Jacksonville Jags minus seven. Fred. Yeah, Jaguars minus seven. I don't know why the spread is so high because they're both not very good and they have quarterbacks. You got Leonard Fournette, which is a little that gives you a run game there for the Jaguars, but I just don't see why it's so high. I, I certainly like this to be a close game, and I'm just I'm just going to go ahead and take the Redskins as well. Um, the Jags can win. I don't think they'll win by more than seven. If they do, I'll take the the, the Redskins by one. We'll go. Well, you surprised me. I already wrote down Jags for you, Fred, and now I had to change it to Skins because I can't imagine anybody picking the Redskins the remainder of this season. The Jaguars <laughs> will win. You're wrong, Fred. Yeah, the Jaguars will win, and, and the Redskins are just too banged up. They they That Eagles game was the final dagger for them. They're just too banged up. They're not winning any games. I'm going Jags. Yep. Dallas and Indy, Cowboys minus three. I can't even stomach thinking about them, and I'm, I'm just saying going Colts, 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 just for my own rooting purposes. Colts. Frank Reich, luck. Yeah, you know, I'm actually picking the Colts to win this one. I think the Cowboys are going to have a little setback here. They're coming down off their high after beating the Eagles. The Colts will do the birds a favor and win this one. Not that it matters for the Eagles, but uh, just a little bragging rights. Colts will win. I'm going to go Colts, too. Uh, the only thing that will change this will be if Dallas gets a call for the fourth straight week that um, is a game changer for them like they've had in the last three weeks. So I'm going to go Indianapolis at home, um, and I'm still irritated about Sunday. I might have mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, All right, yeah. Eagles-Rams. Rams minus nine, Sunday night football. Fred? I think it's actually up to 11 since the news of Carson being out. Yeah. I, I originally originally went into this thinking that I actually would give the Eagles a puncher's chance here, but with Foles, and not that I'm attacking Foles, but he, he hasn't played in a while. It's, it's going to take some time, and the Eagles' defense just just isn't isn't up to par. I, I can't see how the Eagles win this in 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 L.A. Um, I'm just going to take the Rams here. Maybe they make it close in the first half, but certainly the Rams would pull away in the second half. 
Listen, I have no idea what's going to happen on Sunday, especially if Nick Foles is the quarterback. I would love to see the Eagles win and hear talk radio on Monday if you know Foles led them to victory. I don't see it happening, but uh, it would kind of be fun. But i got to go with my head on this one and take the Rams. I didn't pick a score like I usually do, but I'm taking the Rams for sure. Yeah, and this will be the first time that I have not taken the Eagles, uh, and it really doesn't have anything to do with Nick Foles or Carson Wentz. It's I don't know that the defense can stop anything that the Rams want to throw at them. So I'm going with it the other way, and uh, I'm, I'm taking the Rams, and I think they might score a lot of points. There you go. All right. Well, hey, Fred, uh, thanks again. We'll do it again uh, next week, and hopefully we're – a little better than we were this week. Go Redskins, should I say? <laughs> so yeah, I use that game here. <laughs> you All right, did. see you guys. See you, Fred. All right, thanks, Fred. All right, Chet, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly sports teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Also, <coughs> excuse me, also starting tomorrow at 8 a.m. through Sunday, they'll be running a massive straight sale. No res, just sale with hundreds of items for Christmas. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118RASROOM. That's right. PPCC 118 Raz Room on Facebook. Hey, Bill, before we go on, I wanted to mention that we had a, we lost a popular former Eagle late last week. Linebacker Tim Rosovich died after a long illness at the age of 72. A USC alum, Tim played the first four years of his career, 68 through 71, with the Eagles, and he was a wild man. His former teammate, our pal Bill Bradley, told us some stories about Tim during his 2016 visit to Philly Press Box Radio. Here it is, I think. Timmy came in one night, and uh, he said, Hey, Bill, I want you to go over to Gary Pettigrew's house and watch the Johnny Carson show. I'm going to be on it tonight. So we're watching the Johnny Carson show, and Timmy comes out in a wine-colored cape. He starts talking to Mr. Carson, and he had doused himself with lighter fluid. And so right in the middle of talking with Carson, he lights himself on fire right on the Johnny Carson <laughs> show. And it was funny as heck. Well, of course, the cameras went off, and Timmy knew how to go roll in something and put the fire out. He was studying to be an actor and a stuntman at the time. And I have seen Timmy eat glass. <laughs> there you go. Rest in peace, Tim Rossovich. There you go. Well, hey, Chet, uh, let's talk Sixers for just a minute because I want to hit you up on this deal with Joel Embiid. Uh, you say don't worry about it, Uh the, the superstar brooding thing or even making making note of anything like that is a little troubling to me. Here you go. You're trying to make something out of nothing. The Joel stuff is much ado about nothing in my mind. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. I hope that doesn't happen. But Embiid's comments about him not being used the same way since Jimmy Butler's arrival or whatever were simply a case of a guy who had a few bad games and he was frustrated. I love Embiid, but he sometimes does stuff on the court and says stuff and tweet stuff without giving it a whole lot of thought feel free to disagree but i say it's no big deal this will blow over well and i and i will give one follow-up to that uh jimmy butler handles himself just like a pro and jimmy says yeah "Ah, i'd be upset too i get it it's no big deal we'll we'll work it out uh jimmy butler's a great addition to this club on and off the court 
Absolutely, and he's uh, not in the lineup tonight. He got a little groin issue, but hopefully he'll be back soon, and the Sixers will continue with their winning ways. All right. Well, Chet, uh, who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable Show next week? We're getting close to Christmas here, sir. Yeah. Uh, so far we have one guest confirmed for next week. There may or may not be a second one, but hopefully we will have some more Phillies news to discuss with this guest. We had him on back in August, and we really enjoyed talking to him. He's a sports columnist for the Philly Inquirer and Philly.com who happens to be at the winter meetings right now. Bob Brookover joins us next Wednesday. Oh, nice. Nothing like talking baseball in December. Well, hey, Chet, yep. we are about running out of time. You have a parting shot? I've got a couple, a uh, little bit of crap we missed. Well, yeah, that's what I have. A busy show tonight, Bill, so there was so much to talk about, but yet there was stuff that we didn't get to. Temple lost another football coach. Jeff Collins is heading to Georgia Tech. The Owls have had lots of successful seasons over the last decade, which is great, but the downside is they've become something of a spot for coaches to go for a couple of years and then move on. Kevin Franson will do all 81 road games as Philly's radio color analyst in 2019. I like that. Having three different guys take stints on the road with Scott Fransky was goofy. So now it's just going to be one guy. Uh, Lee Smith and Harold Baines are Hall of Fame bound. We did mention that. Uh, Smith makes sense. But as you noted, Bill, we, sh- we could have talked more about this. Baines, a DH much of his career, never got more than 6.5% of votes from baseball writers. So this was something of a head-scratcher. But also going to Cooperstown, thanks to the Baseball Writers Association, is the great Jason Stark, this year's Spink Award winner, as I mentioned on Facebook and Twitter. I'm sure that what put Jason over the top was his three appearances on Philly Press Box Radio. Anyway, congrats to Jason Stark. Well-deserved. Absolutely. Hey, a couple other things, Chet. Congratulations to the Penn Quakers for knocking off the Villanova Wildcats last night at the Palestra. What a win for the Quakers, and... uh, how far the national defending national champions have fallen. Also, congrats to the Army cadets who pulled into the link, rolled into the link, beat Navy for a 10-win season for the cadets. Great turnaround there, and another great showing for the city of Philadelphia. Congrats to Oklahoma's Kyler Murray on winning the 2018 Heisman Trophy. Chet. Murray has already been selected in the first round yep. of the Major League Baseball draft by the Oakland A's. I'd say there's quite a future for Kyler Murray. I'll and lastly, Mr. Chesko, talking about honoring players, and, I, and we might have 30 seconds for you to comment on this one. The Flyers have decided they're going to honor former left winger Scott Hartnell on December 20th. I hear a rumor that they may be honoring Jim Chesko sometime in January. What is that what? about? What are you talking about? Yeah. I, I don't get it. I don't get it either. They've set up a date, December 20th, and they are going to honor former left winger Scott Hartnell. Okay, so I'm guessing that you don't like that, them, you know, honoring a former player who was you know, a decent player, but that's about it. <laughs> well, I mean, he's a, he was a decent player and all that, but, I mean, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, it's not like he's, you know, Bobby Clark or Eric Lindros who went away and, you know, they're honoring him. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. And, by the way, I, I knew you were going to mention uh, Penn beating Villanova and possibly the Army-Navy game, so I saved those for you. Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we've reached the top of the hour. Let's thank our special guests, Matt Goldberg, Joe Valley, Roy Fisher, Fred Hugo. Our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com. PPCC 118 Raz Room and Dave Lavoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. 
For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, December 19th at 7 p.m. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blocktalkradio.com, slash phillypressboxradio, or you can find our podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, and Google Play Store. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Go Birds! Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. That's it.